Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to American Pale Males. It's your nerdy beer tasting podcast. Coming up today, we have developing an experiment. We travel across the globe to try foreign beer. And of course, your regular comedy and banter. Oh, we, comedy, we do, that's a stretch. I was going to say, we do comedy? <laughs> but first, we go to Jeremy at the Beer Brags desk for Beer Brags. Did you introduce yourself, Michael? No, I'm your host, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and here, in, uh, apparently I'm at a Beer Brags desk? This is weird, considering <laughs> that we've been, uh, we've been traveling all over the country, going from the upper Midwest to L.A., or Tokyo, I guess, by way of L.A., and then... Uh, somewhere else in Japan by way of Toronto. And then we went to Copenhagen. Denmark, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my people. So lugging this yeah. desk around has been a bit of a pain. <laughs> right. But I'm, I do it for the show, Michael. Um, oh, yeah. My beer brag this week comes from several weeks ago when I was at Trivia with, the, uh, with I guess, still at this point, the fiancé. But... <laughs> But, so Michael, before I tell you this, I have a trivia question that we've been asking a lot of people. Okay, okay, I always like uh, this. Trivia was a bruiser this this past week. We, uh, mm-hmm. I botched the, the gauntlet, and I knew all the questions. There was even a Mob Deep question, which I knew. Oh, and only one person got that one right, so I would have gotten that far. But, this is where you wager, right? No, 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 no. So they, uh, they do a... Uh, a thing called the gauntlet where one representative from each team will go up towards the front of whatever area they're in. And on the back of your like scorekeeping sheet there's a oh. big number one. It's a disordat from uh Okay. And you know, if you if you get it wrong you sit down and then they go until one person's left standing. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Um, I've I've won it a few times and I was real mad that I missed it. But question. So there are going to be four answers to this. Hmm. I want you to tell me the four teams in the NFL who play their home games in the oldest stadiums in the oh, country. Gosh. If I would have, have, you know, condensed all the people that I've asked this question to, mm-hmm. I think we could have gotten it because no one has, that we've asked has gotten all four. All right. Or at least on the first four that they had set. And this includes counsel of the show, who is generally the, uh, the go-to guy on this sort of thing. Right. Um... We got two of these, I, the fiance I mean, and I. Three in my head. I'm not sure. I'm going to go. Let me. One of them is super obvious. Oh, Especially I mean... for you. Especially for oh, okay, you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so then, okay, that will be my last pick. <laughs> this is the order that I thought of them in, and maybe just kind of throwing mud at the wall. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say Giants, Steelers, Bills, and then from your hint, Bears. Wow, uh, you, that last one, I'm surprised, Michael, because that one oh. is that one is that one is correct. <laughs> okay, but, but consi- considering you live in Wisconsin, I'm shocked <laughs> that you said the Bears. You might be beaten in the streets for saying that. Um, well, first, I, did, I have never lived in Green Bay. I guess is why I. Uh, well, I know, but you've lived in Wisconsin for years now. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I thought I was giving that one away. Yeah. So no, the answer is you got the Bears correct. Although it's uh, held in contention by counsel of the show because they've upgraded it like a million times. That's true. Soldier Field. Yeah. One of them is the Rams that play at the L.A. Coliseum. <sighs> I was going to say them, but I thought new team location, that must be well, a new well, stadium, but no. But, it, but it's an old team. It's an old. It's a new version new of an old team, team right? Because yeah. they were the L.A. Rams, then they were the St. Louis Rams, now Ram, they're the, the L.A. Rams, Rams again. again. Yeah. Um, 
And the last one was the Oakland Raiders, who is a new team that's old again. Or an old team that's new again, rather. Yeah. But they might leave, right? They're, they are leaving. They're going to Vegas. I think next year is when they start playing in Vegas. The uh, When we were out there last spring, they were well underway to tearing up for the stadium. And it's not too far from the Strip, so it's now with uh, NFL and ice and hockey. Was that the Golden Knights, right? Well done, Michael. They are the Golden Knights, and they're the bandwagon team that I've jumped on. Yeah, that's a good team name. It is. It's a. It's almost Damashekian, and it's uh, <laughs> right. But so for the longest time, people were like, "You can't have professional sports teams in Las Vegas. People will gamble on them." <laughs> I was like, "I hate to break it to you, buddy, but uh, just because gambling's not legal in L.A. or Chicago at the time." doesn't mean that people aren't gambling on it and that people right. aren't, you know, shaving points and fixing games or whatever. But uh, thanks to the... I th- was it a Supreme Court ruling that made that? I, a, a, was, states, yeah. a state's thing? Okay. It was like New Jersey versus somebody. Or, you yeah. Know. Well, it's it's open in Iowa now. Oh, yeah. And uh, I believe my beloved Iowa Hawkeyes are 18-1 to 1 to win the Big Ten. They have an mm-hmm. over-under of wins of 7.5. Do you think that means casinos in Iowa will get those big, I think you know what they're called, those big like TV rooms with all the... The sports book? Yes. I hope so. Those, I like those. I don't know, something about them. Just a lounge you can hang out and watch anything. I'm trying, so I think it was, it was the first time I was in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. I was hanging out with a few enemies of the show and the cousin of the show. It may have been at either Mandalay Bay or the now departed Monte Carlo, where we were there in December, and there was some sort of pro football game going on, and we happened to be walking past the sports book. Mm-hmm. And some, th- some garbage time points got scored to beat the spread, and it was a simultaneous just... Yay and boo! Oh, come on! Oh. Because like it's one of those hilarious things where like a team is winning by ten, but the spread is twelve, and then, right, they, yeah. and then they kick a field goal just to like screw with people or to like run out the clock, and it's very very funny when that happens. But uh, oh gosh, yeah. But but I mean, even with sports gambling legal in Iowa now and up and running. I still kind of want to go to Vegas to watch March Madness some year. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I mean, and people are always like, oh, if it's legal everywhere, you won't go. And it's like, no. The casinos and sports books in Las Vegas are better. Significantly. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they're they're huge. and I can go 20 minutes down the road to gamble if I really, really have to play blackjack. But I haven't done that in years. But I did play blackjack last time I was in Vegas. So take that for what you will. Yeah, I think Las Vegas will be fine, even with sports gambling everywhere. But Michael, we uh, really got off track there. Derailed, yeah. We got derailed. What was the beer at that trivia? Uh, it was Double Mosaic Guava Tank Puncher from Reunion. Oh, so this is a variant of the Tank Puncher, which we both lauded, I believe, on the we, show. We did both laud quite heartily. As the name would suggest, this is... Double dry hopped with mosaic and just a ton of guava dumped in it, which is weird because I don't know if I've ever seen a guava 
like in my hands or at a store. <laughs> right. I've, yeah. I've I've had like the candy that's flavored like guava, and I assume I've had guava juice in some form at some point. But this stuff is basically uh, that weird reddish pink. It kind of looks like a, a smoothie when you throw a bunch of like strawberries and like <laughs> almond almond milk in there or something like that. Right. It's, the, it's that consistency. It it looks like a smoothie, and it's fantastic. The mosaic mm. and the guava. And you know, just the normal beer, I'll kill it. So, but what about your beer, Brag Michael? Please wow. rega- regale me with the story of what beer you had, because certainly, certainly, with all this free time you have, you you've just been out there scoping the. You've got all those breweries out there. You've got all these <laughs> fancy Belgian uh, beer bars around. Uh, I, I'm wrapped. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, waiting for this beer, Brag. So hit me. What do you got? Well, Jeremy, <laughs> as you know, I was I was ill, so I yeah, did not... like a likely story. A likely story. No, I was even at a um, like a neighborhood festival, and there was a beer tent, and I had to abstain because my throat was ravaged from bacteria. I'm pretty sure you. Okay, so you chose to abstain. You didn't have to do anything. <laughs> In fact, a good many people have said that hot toddy will cure what ails you. And that person is me. <laughs> That's true. You have said that before. And I did think about that. But then I thought about being able to talk. <laughs> uh-huh. You could sound like this. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. With a 1930s elderly woman smoking a cigarette with a... Oh, uh, God. Little holder. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, a cigarette holder. Cruella yeah. de Vil style. Oh, yeah. But. But. It did give me time to ponder, Jeremy. Now, mm-hmm. we've said it before. We'll say it again. We're both scientists. We are scientists. And you are especially involved in experimental science. Indeed I am. And I was trying to brainstorm an experiment mm-hmm. to look into deeper a question that was posed last week. And that may come up again this week with the green beer bottle. Mm-hmm. Is it the lack of filtration of UV light that causes that skunky, as we mm. said, though that may be a pejorative flavor in those beers, or is it just how that beer comes? Because mm-hmm. you mentioned you had it on tap, pretty much the same flavor. So I was trying to think, how can you ascertain if UV light is responsible for that or not? So what do you think, Michael? Because well, I, know, I know what I would do. I don't I don't think we can do this. <laughs> right. But I know well, what I would do. That's the other part of it, practicality. Uh-huh. So if I if I had a UV lamp, I would <laughs> take I would have That's not, a, not what I was thinking. <laughs> three bottles of of a of a yeah, a standard domestic in a brown bottle, uh-huh. three bottles of Heineken, and I uh-huh. would put I would uh protect them all from light initially. They'd be in like a black box covered in tin foil or something and then we put the uh one of each out into the uv lamp for like a month and then uh we take another set out with like a week remaining the experiment put those in that way we get to see if there's a you know a week or two weeks we get to see if there's a uh gradient like mm. and then the last ones we would keep until we sample all of them then we sample each of them and see if there's any difference between the brown beers and then any difference between the green beers. If okay. there's a difference between the green beers, then you could say UV light may be responsible for some of the taste change. 
Sure. Assuming there's no change in the brown beer. If mm-hmm. there's a change in both, then it's like, well, the brown sucks too, I guess. Yeah. But Jeremy, maybe you have something more sophisticated up your sleeve. I'm curious. So, uh, whether or not it's sophisticated, I don't know. But what I would do is, so we need a uh, a crowler. Oh, okay. Or, I, I don't, I just, I'm an idiot. You can get Heineken in cans. Yeah. You just get a can, and you get mm-hmm. it in a bottle. You sit them out on the shelf because, I mean, just irradiating it with UV light, and you just you get them as soon as you can out of the uh, the brewery. As soon as they're canned, as soon as they're bottled. Right. You get one can, two cans, just to be just for you know sample be, size. Sa- well, just to be sure about this. Right. You get two cans. You get two bottles. You wrap one can in one bottle. In tin foil, mm-hmm. you you sit them right next to your unfoiled can and bottle. You sit them on there for the length of time that one would assume they would be on a shelf in a store. So you just go to your store and you look like, all right, when did this uh get bottled? Yeah, or born on or Best Buy, whatever. Yeah, you backwards math it, you figure it out, you leave them out there for that long. When it gets to the the end of its best buy date, or close to it, or something like that, mm-hmm. you do a vertical sampling at all at the same time. I suspect that it's something in the uh, in the yeast that's making it weird. That the yeast is doing something over time, or that the yeast is just I, I, I making it the, weird in, from the beginning. I think it's, that's what it's like from the beginning because I honestly don't feel like Heineken has any different taste on tap. Yeah, and I think that's that. Yeah, that that's goes towards the uh, the null hypothesis. I the guess. null hypothesis is correct. Yeah, but yeah, I think your idea with the UV lamp would make it quicker, mm-hmm. but it would be more artificial. It would be it would be more artificial or suspect is not the word I want to use. Yeah, because yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's not it, natural. Yeah, you're looking at the more like real world situation where. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm trying to lurking get the, ex- the, the extreme situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Not well, saying we're going to do this, but some variant thereof, maybe we have to... Um... You know, there's there's also the possibility that these beers that get made into green bottles are being shipped overseas. I doubt it. And maybe they're just older? Yeah. I mean, that, that could be a factor. But again, didn't you have it on draft over, where in Europe... I believe so. Yeah. God, there's a boat somewhere that's just full of Heinekens. Well, that's... Well, I'm assuming that they don't really do that anymore. Well, with, like, uh, last week's beer and this week's... But Heineken itself, no. Yeah, that's not mm-hmm. probably the case. Yeah, interesting. Probably brewed at Lagunitas. That's what I was wondering. I'm trying to figure out where Heineken is brewed. Like, literally brewed. Yes. Production. Since 1975, most Heineken brand beer has been brewed at the brewery in uh, unpronounceable Dutch name. In <laughs> 2011, 2.74 billion, with a B, liters of Heineken brand beer were produced worldwide. It's also brewed in the United Kingdom, Ireland, India, Serbia, Australia, and St. Lucia for those respective markets. Interesting. St. Lucia, is that like in the Caribbean? I think it's one of those tiny Caribbean islands, yes. Yeah. Hmm. But that kind of 
segues into today's beer, Jeremy. Indeed it does, Michael. I guess, let's see. I guess, let's do the FDR. I have a lot, I have some background here, because um, this beer may not, its roots may not be where you think they are from. It's not very often that one sees a beer that is uh, named for the reason that this is named. That's true. Especially when it comes to horror mavens. That's right, this beer is named after David Cronenberg. He of the fly, <laughs> uh, rabid, that one movie with Robert Pattinson where he's in the back of the limo the entire time. Oh, wait. This is a K. All right, never mind. Michael, how about you hit us with this? This is Cronenberg, 1664. <laughs> it's, it's always funny. Um, yeah, you named 1664, much like Miller 64. This has 1,664 calories per bottle. Seriously? Uh, made with rendered fats. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. High fructose corn syrup. It's a day's worth of food. <laughs> um, no. Wouldn't that be a, a hoot, though? Uh, yes. Cronenberg, 1664. 1664, the year this brewery, the Cronenberg Brewery, was founded. Now, Cronenberg sounds very German. But this beer is imported from France. And here's a little interesting history. So this beer, uh, this brewery, Cronenberg, started in Strasbourg. Strasbourg. <laughs> Strasse. Now, the history of Strasbourg is interesting in itself. Okay. Right now it's a big European Union city in France. But for the longest time, it was ruled by bishops from like the 300s to the 1200s until some citizens violently rebelled against the bishop. Sweet. And then it became a free imperial city. So just like a city onto itself. That was in 1262. It became a French city in 1681, so after this brewery was founded. So this brewery was initially just in a free city. Conquered by the French in the 1600s. And then after the Franco-Prussian War, became German again. <laughs> that was in 1871. And then at the end of World War One, it went back to France. And then during World War Two, it went back into German control again. Nazi control. Yep. And then at the end of 1944, it was again a French city. Huh. So, so That's it's a... pretty nuts, man. Yeah. So this has uh, been in a region that goes back and forth mm -hmm. over the years, and at one point was a entity unto itself. Uh, it's in the the Alsace Alsace? Alsace. I kind of mix the French way to say it and the German way to say it. Mm -hmm. um, region of the country of France now, which apparently is where my ancestors are from, Jeremy. So you got a little taste of your ancestral brew, mm. or the namesake at least. Mm -hmm. And that's what we'll be doing here today for me. Wow, that's really right on the uh, the border. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you you can see how it yeah, oh, definitely can easily flip. Uh huh. Now the Cronenberg Brewery itself it was called the well Hat Brewery H A T T. <laughs> I'm sure it's hot or hot or something hey. like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, changed the name in 1922 to the Tiger Brewery in World War Two. That's when it became the Cronenberg Brewery. Founded in 1664 by Geronimus Hot uh, in the free imperial city of Strasbourg. Now owned by the Carlsberg Group. Last week we had the Carlsberg. And uh, this is their main kind of flagship beer. The Cronenberg is. The 1664. 1664 anyways. Obviously Carlsberg 
as a Carlsberg as a flagship. Sure. There's some other 1664. There's a Cronenberg 1664 Gold. Yes. Which is a European pale lager at 6.1. This is just, uh, I guess, also a European pale lager clocking in at 5.5%. Yes. Um, are on the bottle, it says 5, I think. So maybe that's the import strength. Potential. I'm looking at the Carlsberg Group's website. Yes. And I thought I've had this before, but I've had the Cronenberg 1664 Blanc, mm. which is a fruitier kind of vit beer. Interesting. Thing. That was pretty good, actually. I don't believe I've had anything of this because it seems like in the point when I would be like more apt to go get weird European beers, so a decade or so ago, it always looked like one of the beers that never got moved, and so that the like right. <laughs> The the pack that they had on there was probably, you know, it seemed like at least 18 months old. From 1664. Potentially, yes. <laughs> so I probably have overlooked this one. Let's see, what else do I have on here? Oh, other things that happened in 1664. <laughs> Give you a little context. Robert Hooke discovers Jupiter's Great Red Spot. My great-great-uncle or something. <laughs> Peter Stavisant. Stuyvesant? Stuyvesant? Is that how you say that? Like the Bedford Stuyvesant in Brooklyn? Yes. Okay, yes. Stuyvesant surrenders New Amsterdam to an English naval squadron, and the English renamed the fledgling city New York. Interesting. So New York got named that year, too. But yeah, I think that's enough little factoids and fun stuff. Um, Let's get into the beer. Do you have flavor text up, Jeremy? I do. Cronenberg 1664 is the most sold French beer in the world and the market leader for high-end premium beers. We're getting, okay, so they're a little lofty. It was named after the year the Hot family, the founders of Cronenberg, first started commercial brewing. Cronenberg is the fifth oldest beer brand in the world that still exists today. Its golden hues and delicate bitterness come from selecting the best hops, the Striesselspalt, and the unique know-how of Cronenberg's master brewers for over 300 years. One might say 365. Uh, <laughs> no. 55. <laughs> Strisselspalt is also named the caviar of hops by the master expert master brewers around the world for its low bitterness and aromatic qualities. Its specific soil and culture technique requirements make it rare and quite unique to the Alsace region and Cronenberg recipes. This is ideal with a meal on the terrace as an aperitif or simply for the pleasure of it. Um, I would be out on the terrace right now, but uh, there's a road not too far that's heavily traveled, so we'd be getting background noise. Um, well, thank you, Jeremy. Strisselspalt. I did look that up. I did, too. Oh, I got hopslist.com. Yep. Hails from the Alsace region of France around Strasbourg and is likely related to the German Spalt and or Herzbrecher hops. Thought to be an old land race, its acreage is dwindling due to its inherent low yield, but it survives largely on the back of a strong domestic demand for the variety. It is considered a pleasant continental-style aroma hop featuring subtle spicy notes with herbal and floral aromas surrounding an undercurrent of citrus and fruit. That's like everything. Herbal, floral, spicy, citrus, fruit. I think, um, they, all, I think they all say that. My yeah, guess is right. this yeah. is just going to be like very, very, very not really all that bitter. I am um, pulled from a different website. Noble aroma type with low cohumulin and typically very low alpha acids content. Okay. So, 
low bitterness. Uh, style guide says it's used in lager, saisons, blondales, Belgians, Bach, Maybach, golden ale, or Belgian pale ale. So it's a European beer type beer. Shall we dig in? Yes. So as you may have surmised uh, from our discussion earlier, it's a green bottle. Mm-hmm. It uh, is a strange looking bottle. It's... It is a strange looking bottle. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah, custom made as 1664 in Boston, glass on the bottom, big label up top. Making it completely useless for anything else. Yeah, yeah, right. I I don't know how you describe the shape. It's like a uh, almost an Erlenmeyer flask set it's, atop It's a, kind of flared. Yeah, cone-like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of strange. And I guess the question is, is, is this going to be about the same as last week's brew, or is it going to be any different? It smells um, about the same. Yeah, initially I was going to switch gears to the other beer we have lined up, but I thought, let's put these side by side while they're still fresh in our brain. That is quite the head on this thing. I'm using a footed Pilsner glass. Mm-hmm. There's a solid three fingers of foam on this bad boy. Yeah, it definitely maintains the foamage more than the Carlsberg did. It, the smell is not as pungent either. Not quite, but it is very similar. It's there, though. Yeah, it is a similar smell for sure. Oh, time for one of my patented uh, derailing the conversations. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we've both got a, a good pile of foam on ours, and it's not even beginning to dissipate on mine. It's just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. I imagine the lacing is going to be gnarly on this. But does it bother you in beer commercials, Michael? Mm-hmm. When So I saw the uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest commercial out today. And it's got, you know, the dimpled mug pouring the Oktoberfest into it. And they pour until the foam goes flying over the... Yeah. Does that bug you, too? It's like, why'd you do that? <laughs> why? You're wasting perfectly good beer. Yeah. Okay. Or they have a shot of the beer rocketing across the bar that stops suddenly and, and then... The, splashes everywhere. Yeah, the foam yeah. splashes over. And... Yeah, that also bothers me. I don't like that. No one does that. If anyone does that, they're a jackass. <laughs> like I feel, I, feel, I feel okay saying that. But uh, have you gone in, Michael? I have. I think the most remarkable thing is it's there are similarities to the Carlsberg mm-hmm. and like the general Heineken archetype, and the definitely in the smell. Yes, but it, it tastes like it, different enough. It's more delicate. More delicate. I think it's spicier too. You know, relatively speaking, and this is not like a zesty, zesty Pilsner or, you know, like in the uh, Duval variety, Mm. but, um, and it's not like a hot, spicy beer or anything, but it does have a little zing buzz. Yeah, a little zing. I don't know if I agree with that, in my opinion. Are you sure? I don't think it's got a spice on it. That said. Not spice, but it's just the hop from the hop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, the noble spice, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. Yeah. I I disagree. If it has that, I'm not able to pull it because I'm a bit congested. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. And I think that European funk or stank, whatever, we, whatever, what are we calling this? Yeah, we got to think of a, a word that's not, mm-hmm. like, detracting. Hmm. Hmm. Stank is not necessarily a bad thing. We can go stank. Bootsy Collins puts a good ma- amount of stank on his base licks, and that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, cool. There we go. Well, um, I don't know if it's like the effervescence, but something... There's a little more flair there. 
I feel like the 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 stank is kind of overwhelming any hop notes that I might be getting out of it because mm. as as established for once the flavor text on a hop was accurate and this is mm-hmm. a supremely delicate low bitterness hop it seems like it's very very light in everything it does this this beer seems french <laughs> if you're going just by like the, the the weird like stereotypes one has of like french cuisine which are not necessarily accurate because you know there's a lot of cheese there's a lot of red wines there's a lot of everything in it but when i think of slash c french cooking on the the cooking shows my fiance likes i feel like a lot of it is like very tiny small bites on like a giant plate and it's like the hibiscus leaf or you know just something super (laughs) super tiny and light and delicate and you have to like pick it up with some sort of weird special fork or something like that I know that that's I know that that's not accurate. This is the land of caviar, for God's sakes. Right. <laughs> that said, you do need a special spoon for that. I would say the the finish does get for me does get overwhelmed by the stank. Mm-hmm. It flutters a little bit. Then at the end, after you swallow it, it kind of mm-hmm. thuds a little bit, showing the underpinnings. There's a sweetness that I don't remember uh, having on the Carlsberg. And it's a very, very, mm. very dainty sweetness, like right at the end. Oh yeah, I can see what you're saying there. Um, and I think that's maybe just because it's more lightly hopped, probably, or the low alpha acid content. That too. I'd like to think I know what you're talking about, but I usually forget. <laughs> Similar body to the Carlsberg. One thing that I'm noticing about a lot of these European beers, as opposed to the Japanese beers that we had, air quotes Japanese beers mm-hmm. that we had <laughs> for the past couple weeks is that the Japanese beers have definitely feel like they have more of a malt body to them. It's not a mm-hmm. strong malt body, but it is noticeable. And these beers seem more of a, uh, I mean, maybe this was a popular style way back in the 1660s, but it just, <laughs> with with some of these beers, it, it just seems like they don't want to change because they've been doing it so long. Right. And if they want to do something new, they just... It's, it's Carlsberg and Heineken and all these giant multinational conglomerations. They just, you know, slap a new label on it and call it elephants or something like that. Right, right, yeah. And then they can keep this for the old men who, like... Because I'm presuming this is an old man beer. Well, yeah, yeah, I have no idea what the marketing is like, but yeah, I would presume too, yeah. Or a hipster beer. Like a French hipster, yes. but a hipster nonetheless. Because uh-huh. you don't really think much about French beers. Or at least I don't anyways. No, definitely not. I can't name another one without the 1664 label. I just Googled French beers. I'm going to try and uh, not butcher this. Trois Chariots Blonde, Cronenberg 1664, Abbaye de Vauclair Ruby, Brasserie de Bretagne Saint-Patern. Perlenburg Bière Blanche. It just looks like the stuff that's been at Dirty John's and is probably the same bottle since when we were in college. Oh, yeah. I don't see anything. Although there is one called the Rinsed Pig. Hey, that's fun. <laughs> huh? It's a Belgian strong pale, and I kind of want one now because the label has a pig hammering a beer. Mm, I'm seeing this. But in any case, what do you like about this beer, Michael? I like the... It's a little more subtle... 
and that that stankiness it's not too right in the face um, but at the same time that's kind of one side of the coin the other side of the coin as well if you're going to have one of these beers you kind of want to just get that big burst sometimes mm-hmm. that big burst of flavor I mean having them back to back like it's easy to say yeah I like this subtlety a little more but a year from now will I care about subtlety probably not I don't think there's I mean there's nothing like necessarily bad there's nothing necessarily good mm-hmm. I think that's what I said about Carlsberg too um, by itself without comparing it it's it's different it's in the more refreshing camp um, but with that you get less to think about I guess true it's a, I mean it's a European pale um, finally is, determining is in fact it's own unique style it's not just like a marketing ploy okay if that makes any sense so I can rate it I guess please do you know, initially I was going to, I think I was going to give it a three initially. I think it was a little better than the Carlsberg, but mm-hmm. um, like some of that zestiness that I was talking about, that's gone away now. Yeah. Um, just replaced by the basic stankiness. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it the same as the other one. I'm just going to give it a 2.75. Maybe they have little subtle differences, little merits to themselves, but mm-hmm. by and large, it's the same thing. Uh, it just depends what kind of shape of bottle you want, I guess. That's tough, but fair, Michael. I know some old men will disagree with me, but... Well, yeah. I'm going to give this a 2.5. Mm-hmm. While the delicacy of it is impressive, it is boring. It, it's, yeah. it's 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 sort of like that... I, I recently saw a scale on how to rate a movie out of 10 stars, and it's... How well is it made versus how entertained are you? Mm-hmm. Like if it's made by, you know, me, but it's supremely entertaining, then it's a five-star movie. Whereas if that supremely entertaining movie was made by, you know, Steven Spielberg, it's going to be well-made, so that's a ten. This one is like, I respect it, but I don't enjoy it. I see. It's, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's exactly what you think it's going to be if you know anything about European beer that comes in a green gl- bottle. It's exactly what you think it is, with just very minor, subtle differences that, uh, that I guess technically set it apart. Right. I mean, if if you're a fan of this style, you'll probably be able to pick those out more quickly than the kind of fair weather, once a year drinkers of this style we are. But um, mm. it's interesting to confirm that notion, at least. You know. I think there's only one other time in my life that I've had these type of European lagers within a, such a short time frame of each other. Yeah, personally, I prefer the Carlsberg. I, I kind of like the stank, that the more stank that that thing mm-hmm. has. It also just felt like there was more there. Whereas, I mean, well, you've heard me say it. This is just, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to uh, split hairs to... Sure get the differences but it's there it is pick there. nits yes but in any case michael that's another one down the gullet how about you hit me with social media plugs sure check us out apm pod on twitter facebook emails directly apmpod at gmail.com we're also on untapped apm pod there as well we're host emeritus mike keeps up with all of our ratings there hey thanks mike thanks mike you can Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. 
and you can. It's true. You can. <laughs> you can and do that. You can and should. Yeah. Uh, but we'll leave it at that. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers.